This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Hello and welcome back to season three of Everything Will Be Okay. It's really good to be back together again. Over the past two years since my third book came out and this podcast launched, we've gathered together to listen, learn, and I hope reassess a little bit of how we approach our lives and to make ourselves feel better and think smarter. The world keeps spinning, we keep working and living, and you might be wondering, since I wrote the book Everything Will Be Okay in 2021, Do I still believe that? Do I still believe everyone will actually be okay? Well, despite everything that's happening, the global and national crises that are piling up seemingly unsolvable, or the ones that keep getting kicked down the road as if someone is going to magically appear and fix them, yes, I believe that ultimately everything will always be okay. And I believe that there are ways we can revise our thinking change the way we approach problems, and make smarter decisions to ensure that we can be our most productive, healthy, and serene selves. In this season, I'll sit down with people who have had major career or life changes that erupted suddenly and changed the trajectory of their lives, People who have persevered and are leaving a trail of inspiration for all of us to follow. And we'll also share a few laughs along the way. So let's get to it. Our first guest is Ashley Brown. Ashley is the CEO and founder of the Selfless Love Foundation, an organization that is transforming the child welfare system. Ashley, welcome to the Everything Will Be Okay podcast. It is wonderful to have you. And one of these days we will meet in person. I'm convinced of that. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this podcast. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a little bit about your life story? Um, It's a fascinating one. uh, But in order to answer all the other questions about the great work you are doing through the Selfless Love Foundation, uh, it's, I think, important to start at the beginning, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Um, My story started when I was adopted into the most absolutely amazing family. Um, They really changed my life, literally. Um, I grew up in a really small town in the middle of a dirt road (laughs) um, on an orange grove. And they just taught me so many incredible values um, and just the importance of hard work. Were you adopted as a tiny baby or were you older? I was a baby. I was super lucky. Um, I never entered the foster care system. And you grew up on an orange grove. The other thing is, um, were there horses and rodeos involved? Because, you know, I'm, I'm all into that. I know, I know. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, riding horses. I used to rodeo all over the United States. Um, I was a part of 4-H, which I think is so important. If you have the opportunity to put your kids in 4-H, always do. 
Um, and yeah, it was that upbringing um, that really taught me so much about the importance of how you treat people, um, being grateful for the opportunities that are given to you, and of course, hard work. Um, did, so did, growing up, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, did you grow up with siblings as well? I did. Um, my sister from another family was also adopted. Um, so we were eight years difference growing up. And did she rodeo as well? We were very different. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I really rodeoed because, um, my dad, he loved seeing me, um, out there competing and it was something that we would do together. We'd go for weekends and, um, it never failed. We'd end up at a rodeo and all of these like guys would come up like the, the bull riders or the clowns. And if they had teeth, we were lucky. Um, and what I found out was we'd get to the rodeo and my dad would quickly go find the ugliest cowboys and send them my way to keep me busy from the cute cowboys so that I wouldn't, you know, have any boyfriends along the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. I, people might be surprised that there were rodeos in Florida. Yeah, I mean, a fun fact, Florida is the oldest cattle raising um, state. So um, one of the things I did growing up, um, which we can get into, but um, I was Florida's beef ambassador, which um, is a covenant title. Let me just tell you, um, you had to know all of the facts about the cattle industry and you would give speeches um, in schools and educate youth on the importance of um, our environment and the cattle and things like that. So yeah, I had a very interesting upbringing, um, but I will tell you the one thing that stayed consistent even to today, I always, always, always said I was going to pay back my blessing of being adopted and being given, you know, this gift of this incredible family. And growing up, I always thought it was going to be, um, you know, by me adopting a child myself. Um, and then I met my husband and we were in the midst of planning our wedding. And I said, you know, there's nothing in the world that we need. So instead of asking for wedding gifts or creating a registry, why don't we create a nonprofit for foster children? And that is how our foundation was created. And it's just so ironic to think about the same foundation um, that was creating our family is now the foundation that helps so many other families and so many children um, as they age out of foster care as well. Yeah. We're going to get into that in just a moment. I, I do have a question. What, at what age did you know you were adopted or did your family always let you know that so you grew up knowing? Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, I was always, I always knew I was adopted and the way that my parents told me or shared with me was they said that I was their cabbage patch doll mm -hmm. and that I was extra special because they picked me. And I really believed that growing up. I, I, I knew how not only special, but how lucky I was. Um, and, and who knows where I'd be today without them. It is a special kind of love adoption, isn't it? It is because you know, without a shadow of a doubt, um, that these people that brought you into their life really wanted you. Um, and I'm sure it was a painful journey along the way. Um, and we tell our families the same thing that are waiting to adopt a child. We tell them, you know, you're not waiting for a child, you're waiting for your child. Um, and that special bond, um, I was born from the heart. Um, and I was always so proud to tell people I was adopted, which is, again, so interesting as a child. Um, any opportunity I had to say, I'm special, I'm adopted. Um, I was just so proud to be a part of my family. Did you ever try to find your birth parents? 
So when I was in my 20s, um, I think I was 21, uh, my biological family reached out to me. And I um, found out that I have a sister that is one year younger than me and a sister that is one year older than me. And it was the sister that was one year younger that was trying to get the family together. Um, my mother was still alive and my grandmother. And, um, you know, I think that that is such a big decision um, to make. It would have been life changing for me because to me, family is a lifelong commitment. You know, you will go to each other's weddings and baby showers and funerals and pick up the phone when they call. And at that point in time, um, I just decided that I have this amazing family. And out of respect to them, um, I chose not to meet them. Uh -huh, um, but I know that the doors always, yeah, I know the doors open if I ever change my mind. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't regret my decision whatsoever. Let's talk about your romance and your husband, because then we, that, that gets us then to, of course, the creation of the foundation. Um, we have slightly similar stories. Um, I met my husband on an airplane. He lived in England. He's 18 years older than me. I thought this will never work. This is crazy. And <laughs> six weeks later, we had our first date and I moved to England uh, six months after that. Um, and we've been together. This is our 25th year. Uh, your story is quite incredible, if you wouldn't mind sharing that, because people need to be inspired by the possibilities of romance. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, it it is inspiring to to hear your story and 25 years of marriage. Wow, that is like so impressive. Um, Ed and I just celebrated seven years, but we've been together for eight. Um, we met at a race. So he um, was at the time the CEO of Tequila Patron, and he was also a race car driver. Like, how cool is that? Mm -hmm. And I remember when he walked, um, when I first saw him, I was like, wow, he's attractive, but, you know, nothing's ever going to happen there. And I had said to my girlfriend um, that was at the race, I said, you know, I, I don't know what it is about that guy, but, you know, I, I kept thinking about him, right? Mm -hmm. And fast forward, it was a couple years later, and there were some matchmakers behind the scenes. And, um, they asked if Ed could have my number. And then Ed texted me later that night and he goes, don't think I'm a stalker. I just want to take you to dinner. Um, will you go on a date with me this weekend? And I said, yes. Um, that was our first date and we were engaged three months later. Mm -hmm. Um, coincidentally, my mom and dad, they met and married in three months. Mm -hmm. And my mom always told me when you know, you know, <laughs> and I knew without a shot of a doubt, like I was all in with Ed. Um, it is so amazing. And this is where we're very similar to be married to somebody that you truly respect and you look up to and you share advice. And it's like, I, I just, I am so lucky to be married to my best friend. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about him. Oh my gosh. I swear. He's like the world's most interesting man. Um, he truly he, is. Like he could actually have that title. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he, he is a risk taker. Um, he's taken a lot of risk in his life and his career. Um, when he went to work for Patron, um, he was the youngest president um, for South Asia for Seagram's. And when he called one of his mentors and said, hey, this is a, a crazy idea, but I'm thinking about working for Patron. And the guy said, you will be the biggest laughing stock in beverage alcohol industry if you go work for this nobody brand. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And he did it anyway. And John Paul DeGioia, um, 
He is a very close friend of ours. He owned Patron at the time. Um, people probably know him as well from like Paul Mitchell. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't realize he was actually a former foster child. That's a fun fact about John. Oh, Paul. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, he's he's so inspirational. So together, Ed and um, JP, they just truly blew up Patron. Um, I believe, actually, no, it was the largest sell in alcohol um, history. It sold um, about five years ago to Bacardi. Um, and during that time, he was also racing cars. Um, he's a competitive golfer. He's just he's got his hands in so many different things. Um, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do next. We'll be right back with more of this interview right after this. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. So you wanted to do something with foster care. Um, and the Selfless Love Foundation is what uh, you started. You are the founder and the mm -hmm. CEO. Can you tell us a little bit of just about the scope and scale of the foster care challenges and how big that need is in the country today? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a crisis. So there's over 100,000 children in foster care right now that are waiting to be adopted. Um, every single year, there's over 20,000 children that age out of foster care. Um, and almost half of them become homeless within the first two years. How many? Say that again. So every year, there's about 20,000 children that age out of foster care. Mm -hmm. um, and that means on their 18th birthday, there's no family identified for them and they simply age out of care. So it's no wonder to you know imagine why half of them or almost half of them are homeless within the first two years. I mean, wow. I think about where I was at 18 years old mm -hmm. and I had the most amazing family, but if I still wouldn't have had their support for me to lean on you know, and have guidance, I mean, these kids have none of that. Hmm. And the foster care system, tell us a little bit about that. Like who becomes a foster parent or how do you end up in foster care? How long are people in foster care? Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely varies. Um, so when a child enters foster care, um, the first thing that they try to do is reunite them with their family, mm -hmm. right? So can we make this family come back together so that they can get their child back? Um, it can take a very long time. Um, it's just dependent on the court. Um, when a family's rights is officially terminated. So until a parent's, I'm sorry, a parent's rights is officially terminated, until that happens, a child is not available for adoption. So they're just sitting in foster care until they go back to their family or the rights are terminated and they can be adopted. Oh, and so, I know, that, and, and is there an attempt by most courts to try to keep families intact? Absolutely. It's right. the number one priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and, you know, it's it's difficult because I understand that being the goal. But I also understand that, you know, if we truly know this is not a good family, then let's speed this up so that we can find a family as quick as possible for these children. Because the facts are the facts. The longer a child sits in foster care, the more trauma that they're going to have. And also the older that they get and the older that they get, the less likely they are to get adopted. Um, and that's something I'm really proud about with the work that we do. So not only do we help find forever families for foster children, but the children that we're helping are truly the hardest to place kids. 
So these are the kids that are teenagers. They have medical needs. Um, they are a part of a sibling group. Um, we're even helping find families for 17-year-olds. I mean, how life-changing is that for a 17-year-old right before they age out to give them the gift of family? That must be quite an anxious period if you're 17 and you know you're about to age out of the system. I can't imagine yeah. that. Um, so what does selfless love do for somebody like that, that that perhaps you haven't found a forever family? What do you do? So that's another part of selfless love that I absolutely love. Um, we help these kids on their journey to self-sufficiency. So on a child's 18th birthday and when they do age out of foster care, we provide them with so many resources and opportunities. Um, one of our first initiatives within Selfless Love, um, when we were first starting and I, I wanted to you know, help these kids, it's like, well, my passion's the older children um, because those are the ones that become lost. So I had, you know, I had to learn a lot um, about the child welfare system because again, that wasn't my background. And very quickly I learned um, there's a lot of red tape when working with the children in care. So I thought, well, hey, these children that age out of care, they need the most help. So um, we decided that we wanted to be able to provide supportive housing. So we partnered with another nonprofit um, and we founded Browns Harbor. Um, and what that is, is a supportive housing for 18 to 23 year olds. And we provide um, on-site staff trainings, resources. Um, and that was really, you know, the, the, the starting pad for selfless love. Um, and there's just so many youth that I'm, I'm still a part of their lives. And I feel so lucky to be a part of their lives. Like, I was just thinking one, how big your family must be. Uh, okay. Dana, we are again, so similar because my husband and I don't have children, mm -hmm. right? So we chose not to adopt because selfless love just really took off and we can help more kids by not having our own children. So I got to tell you, my Thanksgivings and my Christmases, my phone is getting blown up by not only, you know, these youth that we've helped, but the families reaching out. I mean, it is just the most rewarding feeling on the planet. Like mm. I pinch myself that I get to be a part of this. I just can't imagine. It's amazing. Um, can you give us maybe a couple of examples of people um, that come to mind when you think about I would let, maybe if you could, maybe one example of somebody that you help find a forever family for, and then maybe another one of someone who didn't necessarily get that family, but had a chance to stay at the home provided by you that is doing well today. Yeah. Um, oh boy. Which one am I going to start with? Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story of Joseph. Um, so one of the things that's really amazing that we do is um, we take photos of these children while they're in foster care, and it's the first images a family sees when they're matched with a child. So you can imagine the importance of these photos. Um, and not to mention, I, I just was on a family phone call this week, and one of the families who adopted a four-sibling group said that that was the only images that they have of their children. And we took them. Like That is like their forever photos. So anyway, at, at one of these photo shoots, I met this, this young boy. He was so cute. And, and I was asking him, I said, okay, you know, what is your dream? You know, all these different questions, because we, um, we put together a national adoption month video of these children in foster care um, waiting for their forever family. And he says, well, my dream is to live in a brick house, have a refrigerator full of food and to have a grandma. Mm. And to think that that is his dream, like that's his big dream, right? 
So fast forward, it was about eight months later, we were back at this agency to take um, some more photos. And there he was with his new family. Mm. And I was so excited. I went running up and I'm like, you have to tell me, you know, does he live in a brick house? Coincidentally, yes. And then I was like, does he have a grandmother? And they're like, are you kidding me? Like he loves his grandmother so much. And they shared photos. And I mean, it's just like, again, my heart just swells that we even get to play a role in, in this child's life forever being changed. And not only his life, but his family's life, his grandmother's life. That's amazing. I love that. What about somebody yeah. who didn't get that family? So the one that comes to mind um, is Tyler. Tyler was living at Browns Harbor. He aged out of foster care um, on his 18th birthday. He shared with me he was homeless many times in his life um, before finding Browns Harbor. So he was living at Browns Harbor, and as you can imagine, um, it's very difficult for them without having the support and a loving family um, to have the confidence to get a job and career training, et cetera, et cetera. So he was so proud of himself, as, as were we, when he got a job at UPS. But he came to me and he said, you know, I really want to be promoted to a driver. But in order for me to be a UPS driver, like, I have to know how to drive stick, and I don't know how. <laughs> so... <laughs> So who do you think taught Tyler how to drive stick? My <laughs> husband. Mm-hmm. So he taught him how, like, that was like so much fun for Tyler. So I know he'll never forget that day for, for many reasons and neither will Ed. Um, so not only did he get the job, um, but he's been at UPS for five years and he's already received another promotion as well. So I'm beyond proud of him and we still stay in contact. More to come right after this. Gosh, it's so impactful what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How do you find the forever families? So everything we do is through collaboration. Um, so we work with the agencies um, in order to identify these families. So just like how we are working with, um, you know, the hardest to place children to find um, families for, the families that we work um, with, they have to already be, you know, home study approved, certified and ready to adopt. Um, and most importantly, the families that we're working with have to be willing to take these hardest to place children. Um, you hear these stories all the time about families that have been waiting years to adopt a child out of foster care. And you're like, why is that? How is that possible? There's all these children. Well, then you start having deeper conversations with some of the families and they're like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for a two-year-old. I want, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes and like all of these um, qualifications for like the perfect child that they're waiting for. And unfortunately, unless you're willing to foster to potentially adopt a child, that's the only way you're really going to get the baby unless mm-hmm. you're willing to take a sibling group. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who adopted, um, and at first they had put in that, you know, they were looking for, they had a lot of specifics, you know, girl, and they had all these, <laughs> all these um, sort of requirements, box, boxes they had checked and nothing happened for like two years. So then they started unchecking some of those boxes and eventually they did um, f- adopt and this little child is thriving and they're wonderful. I just think that adoption is so amazing, but I am worried about the foster care system and, if you, I mean, I'm sure you think about this a lot. Are there policy changes that you think we could do as a country that would really help both sides of this equation? Yeah, it's really funny that you're mentioning this, Dana. So um, 
the, the biggest umbrella within selfless love is our advocacy work. So we are improving the lives of children when they age out of foster care by, um, you know, providing them resources. We're changing the lives of foster children by giving them a family. But how we're going to transform lives and transform the child welfare system and really move the needle is through advocacy work. Um, so we are very, very blessed. We have an incredible executive director, um, and she has extensive experience in child welfare. And I'm really excited to share um, amongst so many things that we do um, in the advocacy lane. This year is going to be so exciting for us because we are hosting the first ever national think tank. And that's going to be held in Colorado. And we have over 35 states that's going to be participating. Um, and there will be a child welfare leader along with a youth advocate. And the reason why there's always a youth advocate, which is a youth with lived experience in foster care, is that they're the closest to the problem. So they're the ones that can truly help offer solutions. So we're going to host this national think tank. And our goal is to be able to develop a guide work, uh, sorry, a guidebook to be able to help um, move these youth to self-sufficiency and to be able to learn from each other because what's happening in every state is very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the challenges just seem so enormous. And one of the problems, as I understand it, from reading Naomi, sorry, Naomi Schaefer Riley, she's an incredible advocate for foster care family. She's a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Um, the problems are just to me, deep and wide, and they need to be addressed. There is this uh, stigma, which is not true, a stereotype of foster care families that they're in it for the money. And, and that yeah. it always makes me mad when I hear that because it's, it's not a lot of money. And no. what, they are, what you, you named your organization Selfless Love, and it's, to me, that's what it's about. But perhaps you could talk to, speak to that issue. I, I can't agree with you more. Um, it really hurts my heart to hear that anybody would think that these foster families um, are doing it for the money because to your point, A, there's not a lot in it, but B, um, the amount of work um, and hardships and um, just time, I, it's just, they are truly the angels, whether you're a foster family or your family, you know, hoping um, to adopt a child, um, you are a true angel, you know? Um, I believe it's $11 a day um, a foster family gets. I mean, it's, it's not a lot of money. Again, that's, that's not our lane. We're working with families that are um, wanting to adopt a child. We right. don't offer fostering to adopt. Right. But regardless, I mean, these families, they're, they're doing God's work. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting when I had you on America's Newsroom. And what was the young woman's name that joined us that day? Do you remember? Yes, Madison. She's amazing. Um, she was so excited to be um, on the show. And we've chatted so many times afterwards. I actually have another one on one with her to help her prepare her speech. Um, and just it was such a great opportunity for her to share her dream, which is to be able to have um, a place that um, students go at universities to celebrate the holidays because she knows firsthand how sad it is to, you know, celebrate the holidays by yourself. Yeah, she's amazing. So do you do this all day long? I mean, are you just helping all of these children? I am sure it sounds like it. 
Yeah, I, it's so cliche, the saying of, you know, find what you love and you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And and that is selfless love. I don't feel like I'm working. I feel so lucky that I get to be a part of these, you know, young people's lives and the families and um, to watch them accomplish their dreams, uh, like the Dream Tank competition, um, where they present their dreams to a panel of judges, and then um, we select the winner. And it's not about losing or winning. It's about, you know, the, the skills that they learn along the way, the entrepreneurship, the public speaking, the Dale Carnegie training, these are skills that are going to stay with them for a lifetime, no matter how many times their, their dreams change. So just every day, it's something exciting that we're working on, um, whether it's our advocacy work or our adoptions initiative. Um, it's just such a fulfilling thing I get to do. It is. It's incredible. And I, I have my short uh, lightning round questions that I want to ask you. But before I do that, if anybody listening has been moved to learn more or to donate or to maybe even if they're thinking about adoption, how best can they find out more? Please, absolutely. If you have any questions about foster care or adopting or would like to learn more about our organization and support us, please visit our website, which is selflesslovefoundation.org. Great. And I know that um, my friend Marie is, is she on the board or is she just supportive? She's just a very, very good friend of ours. And um, she, the definition of her, in my opinion, is a collector of good people. Yeah, she's she great. Just, she, right? It's like, I want to be friends with anybody Marie's friends with. Because <laughs> yeah. you know they're going to yeah. be amazing. Um, next time you see her, make sure she tells you the story. Um, she and Andy tell you the story about the parking lot at Kmart years ago. That's one of the funniest things that I can't repeat, even on this podcast where the FCC <laughs> doesn't... Um, monitor, but there are great people and, and, and you are too. So let me ask you just a few questions. Uh, anybody who doesn't uh, know Ashley, check out Selfless Love Foundation, of course. Um, she's a fashionable young woman. I got to ask you, what's the most, what is your go-to item in your closet? The one that you always want to wear? Like what should we have in our closet that you have? Mm, a really good purse. And what I mean by that is a purse that can carry all of your belongings. I am old school. I like to have my, my handwritten notes and my hard calendar, even though I still use an electronic one. So my go-to is no matter what, every single day, I have to have a really good purse to carry all my stuff. And do you change it out every day? Cause I don't, because I'm afraid that if I, if I, if I ever do that, I always forget something in the other purse. I change it. Yeah, the purse has to match the outfit. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know. Actually, I'm really bad about that. I am super bad about that. What advice would you give to someone with a broken heart? Mm, a broken heart. Um, everything happens for a reason. Um, I think that it is those obstacles um, in life that give you so many opportunities for growth. So maybe this is an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself, to better yourself, be the best version of yourself so that when you do meet Mr. Right, um, you are also in your best place possible. Do you believe in love at first sight? I mean, I saw my husband and I absolutely was just in awe of him. So I do believe in love and first sight. I do too. Yeah, you have to follow those intuitions. Yes. And you have to be open to all sorts of possibilities because again, like my husband, when I met him, he lived in England and I was 25 years old. I worked on Capitol Hill in Washington, DC. 
And that was so improbable. Mm-hmm. But I prayed about it and had really good friends who encouraged me not to worry about what everybody else would think. And thank goodness, we, here we are. Yeah, you know, I always think about leap and the net will appear. You know, you have to take chances if, you know, you want something. And I'll never forget when I was working at a lab um, doing medical sales when Ed and I um, started dating and then got engaged. And I went to the owner and I had a great job. I was a director of sales and marketing um, and even had equity in the lab. And when I went to my boss and said, hey, I'm going to you know, give you my notice. I'm moving to Florida. Um, I'm going to you know, take a chance on love. And he thought I was absolutely crazy. And he's like, what are you thinking? And I said, what is the worst thing that can happen? I have, you know, for all these years, I've built out my resume. I know I can go back to the workforce, but I'll always question why I didn't move to Florida and why I didn't try to make it work with this man that I love. Absolutely. I, my favorite piece of advice to give to people is that choosing to be loved is not a career limiting decision. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And if you hadn't taken that chance, you might not have ever created selfless love or at least been able to scale it in the way that you have. No question. I mean, there's so many milestones like in my life that, you know, were instrumental to the creation of selfless love, like my parents adopting me, right? Um, Meeting Ed, there's no question um, that selfless love would not exist without him because when you meet somebody, what's most important is they have to be able to support your dreams. Your dreams should not go to the wayside just because you know, you're now married and and whatever your life changes, like your dreams should always be in the forefront and the person you're with should always be your biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Um, any, any books on your nightstand we should know about that you recommend? I'm not just saying this because we're on, I enjoyed your book. Um, Everything (laughs) will be okay. And it was one of those things that I, as I'm listening, I'm making checklists of things that I do and the things that I'm not doing that I should do. So exclamation marks. Mm -hmm. I have cut down on my exclamation marks and emails. (laughs) It is interesting, isn't it? Because partly one of the reasons we use them, especially in written communication is to convey um, emotion or to let people know, you know, you know, that you're maybe having a lighter moment in your, in your communication. But (laughs) it is funny how that, Mm -hmm. how that advice and not wearing Ugg boots in the office, seems to be like the two pieces that have stuck with people the most. No question. And also um, this is after I had went on your show. um, I read the chapter about, you know, dress for the the job that you want to have. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) I have to tell you, I wanted so badly to wear a selfless love, like nice t-shirt on the show. And our marketing director was like, absolutely not. And I'm like, but this is what I wear. And she's like, this is what you wear when you're in the field. This is what you wear when you're working with youth and families. But today you are representing selfless love and you are a CEO and you are wearing (laughs) business attire. (laughs) Well, you know what? You would have been a shining ray of light and whatever. And I'm bet, and I'm bet it's a nice t-shirt. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but you know what? It was the right call. And then reading your book, it, it just was like, yep, check mark. Good thing I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, I can't wait to get to know you even better. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast. This is such an incredibly important topic. Selfless Love is a great organization, and I hope to see it continue to grow. I'm very excited to hear about your Colorado event. Please keep us posted on that. Absolutely. I will. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I so enjoyed this. I find Ashley to be this bright ray of light and I'm so impressed with her organization. I follow her and Selfless Love on Instagram now and 
there are many, many happy smiles of families that they are touching. And I hope that all of us can be mindful of what the foster care system needs are in the country, as well as what the young people are dealing with when they age out. So let's all pay attention to that. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. And listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.